Well, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke. We're turning to the Gospel of Luke and the chapter 24. The Gospel of Luke and the chapter 24. I'd like to speak to you this morning under the title, A Matter of the Heart. A Matter of the Heart. Luke chapter 24, please. We're going to be reading from the first 13. God willing, next Sunday morning we'll start a new series uh, for the winter months. We're calling it Back to the Beginning. And we're hoping to go to the very start of the book of Genesis, literally back to the beginning. Eh? And um, we're going to take our time over these next months to go through Genesis chapter 1 through to 11. And then we'll take a break. Hopefully, God willing, we'll make it through Genesis, but we'll not do it all at once or you might get fed up with it. Um, but we'll go through the first 11 chapters in these months. Um, and that's something to look forward to, God willing, uh, next Lord's Day morning. But today we're coming to the Gospel of Luke, in the chapter 24, and we're thinking in this title, A Matter of the Heart. And this is the word of the Lord, and it reads, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now they were speaking about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to their knowledge, the Lord was dead and he had not risen. And they were so disappointed that this Savior, this Messiah, who they thought would come and save the Jewish people, uh, was now gone. So they're talking about this on the way. Verse 14, And they talked together of all these things, the death of the Saviour, which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God, and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, uh, all, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, 
for it is towards evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. And hath appeared to Simon, and they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts today. Let's pray together as we turn to God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, as we read it, that it speaks to our lives. We thank you, Father, that it is relevant to us today. And Father, we pray as we seek to apply your word to each of our hearts just now, that you would help us to be open and listen to what you have to say. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips. I pray, Father, that you would fill me afresh with your spirit. And Father, I pray that you would grant me the help that I need. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Christ. And Father, I pray is that as we come to your word just now, that, Father, we would only hear the voice of God in this place. Father, anything that is of me, take it away. It's useless. It's a but as rubble. Father, I pray that you would speak. And I ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. I wonder if you ever watched football fans or rugby fans head into a stadium. How do they look? Do they look sad? Or do they look empty? Well, no, you can see people who are excited and they're anticipating what's going to happen and their hearts are expectant and they hope that the team they support, that they're going to win, that they're going to do well. And during the game, their eyes will be glued to the pitch, watching every move of their team, cheering them on. Their hearts will be worn on their sleeve, not wanting to miss a single thing that happens on the pitch. What about after the match? Well, when a team wins, the fans' hearts will be burning with excitement and they'll want to enthusiastically discuss every detail of the match. And even when a team loses, they'll do the same. Yes, disappointed though they may be, their hearts and their passion for their team will discuss how that team could maybe do better in the next game. And in many ways, as you watch the passion of a football or rugby fan, you can see how their heart burns for their team. Imagine there being such passion and love for a team that can let you die. We have the source as God's people of eternal joy. The one who never lets us down and we come to worship him together on the Lord's day. And I wonder, does our demeanour show on our journey to this place that we're glad to be coming here? How was your journey to church this morning? What story did your face tell as you walked through the doors? As the public passing by and the surrounding streets watched you as you hopped into your car on the way to church, what did your neighbours think that you were glad to be coming here? 
When it comes to coming through the doors and you get out in the car park and you're walking through the car park and you're coming through these doors, what do the people of Greens think as you come through these doors? Are you glad to be here? Does your face tell that story? We're speaking under this title, A Matter of the Heart. And this morning we've turned to this wonderful chapter in the Bible. And in this chapter we can read earlier in the earlier verses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And of course the resurrection is the key to our faith. Without the resurrection we could never be saved. And our faith would be in someone who is dead. But instead we know that we are trusting a living saviour today. Seated in heaven. Who is coming back again. But that's not predominantly what I want to focus on this morning. You see this passage is a passage that should thrill our hearts. Yet it's a chapter that begins with unbelief. And it finishes in spiritual triumph. It's a chapter that we see the Lord deal with many types of hearts and he warms them and he sets them on fire. Let me ask you, when I say you, I'm not talking to everyone collectively, I'm talking to you individually. You, between you and the Lord, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, dear Christian, what state is your heart in this morning? Where's your heart at in your spiritual walk? Is it burning for Christ? Maybe you're someone here and you've never trusted Christ and your heart could burn for the first time. I pray that your eyes would be open to his glory and see the Saviour who loves you and gave his life for you. But for those of us who are trusting in Christ, I want you to see in this passage three states of heart that we find. And these men who are walking along the road, we see their hearts described in three different ways. And as we think about that, I want you to think about what state is your heart in. Do you fit into either of any of these three categories this morning? The first state of heart that we find is a sad heart. We find a sad heart. We know that the two had been discussing the past day's events and How this one, the Lord Jesus, who they thought was the Messiah, this great teacher, he was now dead. And he was meant to be the one who would redeem their people. And now this was the third day since it happened. And the Lord, he was gone. Come with me to verse 17 and read it with me. The Lord Jesus, he draws alongside them. They don't realize it's the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus asks this question. What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? The authorized version, this statement is put as a question. But actually in some modern translations it's put as a statement. It says they stood still looking sad. Now, it's basic psychology to know that if someone looks sad, it's most likely that they are sad. And how the two, their hearts were broken, their hearts were sad, their whole demeanor showed it. And this man, the Lord Jesus, he wasn't who he thought he had been. He is gone now. He's dead and their hearts are sad. And they not only looked sad, they truly were sad. And here's my concern. When people look at us stepping in the door of Grange Baptist and as people across the province of Northern Ireland this morning watch people walk into the churches around our country, what do they see? Do they see people who are walking in looking miserable and sad as if there's no saviour at all? 
Because as far as these men were concerned, the Savior was dead and gone, and they were sad. And I wonder what our demeanor shows people. You see, sometimes people will ask me, why aren't there as many getting saved in these days? Why aren't we seeing as many as we used to? There's a real problem with the world now. They say, well, yes, you're right. There, there is a problem and it's sin and it's always been there. And Satan blinds people from seeing the truth. But I wonder, does the problem begin with us? When people see us, do they think they look sad and I don't want what they've got. When we think of the fans on their way to a rugby and football match, you see their joy, you see their passion. And there's something attractive to that. There's something that draws people to that. I wonder, do people see our passion for the place of worship? I wonder, like the two in the road to Emmaus this morning, is your heart sad? You've lost the joy of your salvation. The Lord Jesus maybe has lost meaning to you. You see, if your heart is sad, You will look sad. Do you look sad to the world? These men, they were sad and dejected. You know, it says that they commune together and they reason together. Look at verse 15. So they're speaking and they're on their journey. Verse 14, they talk together of all the things that happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near their communing and reasoning together. You know, and the thing about sad hearts, when they all get together... And they commune and they chat and they come together. They make everybody else sad as well. Don't we like to do that today? We like to commune with one another over maybe Sunday dinner or supper with a few folk round after church on a Sunday evening. And sometimes it's easy to slip into chatting about what's wrong with the church. Or the church would be better if there was better leadership. Or it would be better if so-and-so wasn't on that committee. And so the chat goes on. And in our communication... We can make each other sadder and sadder instead of standing up and being counted and putting our shoulder to the wheel and getting involved in the Lord's work at Grange. We're good at encouraging sad hearts, aren't we? Take a look in the mirror this morning. I wonder, is it you? I wonder, are you a person who encourages sad hearts? You see, here's the thing. We know something that these two men didn't at this stage. We know today that the Lord Jesus is alive. And the Spirit of God lives in each of his children. And how we should turn our eyes to the cross this morning and consider how the Lord Jesus hung there and bled for you, taking the punishment for sin that you and I deserved. He needed to die. He shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Or without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. And we, were, and we could consider how they took his body and they laid it in the tomb. But here's the miracle. Here's why we don't need to have a sad heart. He arose. He's alive. You know, I could take you today to the tomb of Buddha. And I could take you to Muhammad this morning. They're still there, wrapped up in their grave clothes. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he isn't in the tomb. That's why we don't need to be sad, dear Christian. We should be glad. Because we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today, who's interested in our lives. Don't be sad, be glad. And these men, they were unaware that the Lord was there, that he was there beside them. They thought he was dead. And that's why they were sad. We know something they don't. The Lord Jesus is alive. He's still active today. 
And he's still saving today. He saved in Ballybean on Friday night. Praise the Lord. And he's still saving souls. And we ought to be so glad. That's how I know that the Christian life, yes, even with its trials and struggles, is worth living. Because Christianity isn't a religion. Religion says, here's all the things you need to do to get to heaven. Christianity says, the Lord Jesus says, it's done. I've done everything that needs to be done. I've defeated sin. I've defeated death. I've defeated hell. I've defeated Satan. I've died and rose again. And all you must do is trust in me as your saviour. And the Lord Jesus this morning could ask you, dear Christian, why are you sad? Those who know the Saviour, we have assurance of eternal life, a home in heaven, because Jesus is alive. Dear Christian, we ought to rejoice and be glad and worship our Saviour who has bought us with his precious blood. And when we come to this place, we should show that we have had this glorious experience of salvation, that, that uh, this glorious experience that, uh, that is the greatest experience that any man, woman, boy or girl could ever know, that we have met with God. And God has saved us and that we're coming to meet with his people to worship him. It's the living saviour we come to worship this morning. It should be evident in our talk. It should be evident to those who come among us. I wonder do we welcome people to our services the way Christ would. You know we sing about joy often. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart. What does the end of the chorus say? Floods of joy. Sometimes it would be good. I know of my face showed it. And all of our faces showed it. Floods of joy. O'er my soul. Like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy. Dear Christian. Are you sad this morning? I wonder do you need to pray with the psalmist. Restore unto me. The joy. Of my salvation. And uphold me. With thy free spirit. But what about. You, my unsaved friend, I would be wrong in assuming that everyone who sits here knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. Wonders your heart sad because you're looking for joy in everything. Give your life to the saviour who gave his life for you. Then you'll be able to rejoice with Paul who said, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. These men at the beginning of our chapter, they've got a sad heart. But then the Lord Jesus, he gives them a diagnosis. And he says that you've got a slow heart. I wonder, I wonder why it is sometimes that we don't show joy, the joy that we ought to show. Well, let's look at the Lord Jesus, a diagnosis of these two, two on the road to Emmaus. The Lord Jesus himself, he's drawn alongside them and they don't recognize him. And what does the Lord Jesus say to them after they explained their reasons for being sad? In verse 25, the Lord turns around and he says, O fools and slow of heart. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. The two on the road have been selective in their reading of the Old Testament scripture. And they don't understand the whole message. And the Lord Jesus tells them, you've got a slow heart. You have a slow heart. What about you? Is your heart slow this morning? Do you read the whole message of the Bible or are you selective and do you just take out the parts that suit you and there's certain verses, well, that's a wee bit too legalistic, that's a wee bit too much, you know, we'll just leave those parts. But the Bible, as we come to it, it needs to be obeyed in its totality. 
You know, on the evening of June the 18th and 1815, a man stood in the tower of England's Winchester Cathedral, gazing anxiously out to sea, and he was waiting for a ship to send a signal to him by use of lights. And all of England held its breath with him, waiting, wanting to know the outcome of the war between their military leader, the Duke of Wellington, and the French dictator, Napoleon. England were waiting for the news of the outcome of the decisive Battle of Waterloo. And the man waited to relay the news that would determine England's future. And the signal came just as a heavy fog was rolling in, and it only just got through. And how this man wished it happened, for the signal read, Wellington defeated. England had lost. It was bad news, or so they thought. The man signalled to other stations, and the news spread across the countryside, bringing great gloom and sadness. But then there was a great reversal. For you see, the fog lifted and the message was sent again. But this time, the message was sent in full. And it was Wellington defeated the enemy. Joy, happiness, delirium. Wellington had won. I can imagine the headlines in the papers, the celebrating of a war that had been won, a victory worth celebrating, a story worth telling. The whole message was important, wasn't it? When the first two words got through, it sounded like they had lost. Wellington defeated. But when the full message got through, it gave them great reason for joy. Wellington defeated the enemy. You see, here's the thing, and here's the problem with these two on the road to Emmaus. They hadn't understood all of the Old Testament scripture. They hadn't taken every word of it. And I suppose the challenge to our hearts today is, do you take all of scripture for what it says? Or do you just pick out the parts that are good for you? They hadn't believed all that the prophets had written, and the Lord Jesus called them fools. And slow of heart. And so problem that's our, so often that's our problem. We can be so selective when it comes to the Bible. Happy to leave parts out. And you see the problem with the Jews in that day, for the, in the day of the Lord Jesus, was that they saw the Messiah as a conquering redeemer. And they missed the parts in Isaiah, which speaks about a suffering servant. And when they read the Old Testament, they saw the glory and not the suffering. And they saw the crown and not the cross. So who better to explain the Old Testament to these two in the road to Emmaus than the resurrected Saviour himself? Because they had been selective. The Lord Jesus tells them, you're fools, you're slow of heart. I wonder, do we have a slow heart? Look at verse 26 and 27. The Lord explained all that the prophets had taught concerning himself. It says this, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Key word, all the the scriptures, all the message of scripture. What is it about? Well, the Old Testament, it pointed to the Lord Jesus. The Gospels tell us about his life on earth. And then we read of how he's coming again to receive his church and how we ought to live in light of that. That's the whole message of the Bible. Warren Wearsby reminds us that the key to understanding the Bible is to see Jesus Christ in every page. Don't be a slow Christian. Don't have a slow heart or a sad heart. 
Here's my favourite part of the story coming up. They, they came to the end of their journey, still not knowing that they're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, this excites me. This gives me hope for the church of God today in the 21st century. Read from verse 30 with me. Verse 30 says there, And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, they've realised now this was the Lord Jesus, he's now vanished out of their sight. And they said, verse 32, one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened up the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn within us? A burning heart. Have you ever heard someone say, if only I could see the Lord Jesus with my eyes, then I would be on fire for God. Then, it's then that my heart would burn. Listen, the, the Lord breaks the bread, and yes, it's true at this moment that their blinded eyes were open. The Lord Jesus was physically in front of them. But when do they say that their hearts began to burn? Was it at that point? No. Did not our hearts burn within us when? When we realised it was the Lord Jesus? No. Listen. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? Now you listen to me. And you listen to me well. It's the word of God that caused their hearts to burn. They didn't realise they were speaking with the Saviour. It was the word of God that caused their hearts to burn. Dear friends, we have no need to have a sad heart. We have no need to have a slow heart. We have a living book before us, and these words before us can cause our hearts to burn. The more we receive of the word of God, the more we will want fellowship with God, the more that our hearts will burn within us and want to serve him more and crave that fellowship more and crave that closer relationship with God. Young person, Older person, middle-aged person, I don't care what age you are, study this book. Ask the Spirit of God to give you a passion for it, to study it, to grow, to love it, to cherish it. This isn't Bible knowledge I'm talking about. I'm not saying go and get yourself lots of Bible knowledge to puff yourself up. I'm saying seek the Lord through this book as you study it. Ask the Lord to draw you closer. Do you see the order it happened? The Lord Jesus opened the scriptures to them. Their hearts began to burn. Then they recognized who Jesus was. Do you know what the modern hymn writer has captured uh, has, the modern hymn writer has captured this burning heart. These are the words that are penned. It says, I want to know you, Jesus my Lord, King of the heavens, King of my soul. I treat my treasures and all my rewards, Jesus, to know you, then know you more. That's a desire to know the Lord more. How do you get to know the Lord more? How do you, are you drawn closer to the Lord? It's through learning to love this book to study it not for knowledge but for a closer walk with him where's your heart this morning do you crave that deeper relationship with God this is a matter of the heart it's a matter of your heart 
What do you treasure in this life? The hymn writer says, I trade my treasures and my rewards, Jesus, to know you. Then know you more. God's word says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Treasure this book. And your heart will start to burn as the Spirit of God ministers to you. Then it will show in your life. Know that the hearts of every individual in this place will begin to burn for our Saviour and cause the gospel to be something that people are attracted to as they see the evidence of the testimony of your life that they would look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads as we close this part of our service this morning. I wonder, do you need to examine yourself this morning? You see, the word of God, it's like a mirror. As you look in that mirror, can I ask you, what do you see? As I search my heart and soul with these questions as well, ask yourself three questions. The first question, do I see the Spirit of God living and burning? in me what do I see when I look at me let's ask another question do others see the spirit of God living and burning in you is it evident in your walk or do they see a sad heart or a slow heart What do others see when they look at you? Finally, and most importantly, what does God say? Father, how we realize this morning that There are times when our hearts don't burn as they ought to for thee. How we realise at times that the sin of this world caused our feet to become dirty. And we're in such need of that washing of the word of God. Father, how we realise that this book before us as we read it has that wonderful cleansing effect as we look on it as a mirror. And Father, we thank you that even as your people, that your word tells us that when we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We claim the blood of Christ once more. We ask you, O God, to forgive us for sins that we are both aware of and unaware of. And Father, we ask, O God, that you would remove any hearts that are sad, any hearts that are slow. We desire, O God, that you would give us a heart that would praise and magnify your name. A heart that is aglow, a heart that is burning for thee. Hear our prayer, O God. We ask this for your glory. 
and in our Saviour's precious name. Amen.